And then they told their kids, Democratic Party good, Republican Party bad. And they told their kids, Democratic Party good, Republican Party bad. But they've got to tell them why. Sure, people may have bad ideas, but you know how you beat bad ideas? It's with good ideas. And you let people with bad ideas expose themselves, and then you correct them with good ideas. You don't just shut them down. What's happening is that for many Jews, we were not taught Judaism. We weren't taught Jewish values. We don't understand what it means. So here, someone can come along, say a word in Hebrew. We think we understand what it means. Next thing you know, like we're using Tukan Olam to support Bernie Sanders' ideas more than actual Judaism. We've pawned this off onto other people. We're not going to teach our kids American values because somebody else will. Their teachers, the school will, their teachers will. Who cares what I do in my life? The president will take care of everything, or Congress, or whatever it may be, right? And it's, it's time for us to take this back upon ourselves and say, no, 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 we're in charge. There's no one who's fighting this fight thinking they are the bad guys, right? Hitler felt with his group and cronies and whatever was that they were doing something good. This was for the best of the world. They didn't see themselves as evil. They saw anyone who was getting in their way of doing what they wanted to do. They saw those people as evil. Welcome to the In Search of More podcast. I am your host, Ellie Nash. Join me weekly on my quest for more. More from myself and more from this world. We'll see you on the other side. All right, so this is kind of old news at uh, this point. Tyler is uh, on the other side of the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Same shirt, though. Same shirt. Same, sh- same shirt, different day. No, same shirt, same day. <laughs> I had a teacher years ago. He was. I was usually prim and proper, and my, you know, my mom ran a very, very clean and orderly house for being, not for being a very clean and orderly house. And it happened to be that we were, you know, nine kids, um, without a ton of money. But she, she did it well. But I guess one day, I had a shirt. That was the same shirt I'd worn the day before, and it had a stain on it. And the, she's like, oh, Ellie, you wore the same shirt yesterday. <laughs> that same in front of the glass. And whatever, it was just, it was more memorable, like his astonishment at what he said and how to try to correct it <laughs> afterwards. Anyway, same shirt, different day. Same shirt, different day. So um, <clears throat> we were trying to discuss what to, to speak about on this episode. And something I had been thinking about for a little while was um, you did an episode with Chase. I, I don't remember specifically which one. Um, and you or he, I'm paraphrasing here, said that, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which political party somebody supports as long as they don't make that political party the savior right? Or they don't make it the most important thing, right? And they had kind of connected it to, to idol worship, right? Like don't, don't turn into idol worship. But I would, you know, I'd wondered at what point, at what point does it become the most important thing? Like, for example, let's say that, um, the Chinese, when they elected or, uh, when Mao took power, if they had done something else politically, right? Or if, uh, you know, Stalin had never taken power politically in Russia or like the path we're on now or uh, in Germany in 19, you know, 32 or whatever it may, like at what point does that become the most important thing? Because it now impacts your future and the future of your children and generations to come. Right. So like, 
I, that's just something that had that I had been sitting and thinking about. And obviously, you don't you don't want it to become idol worship per se, but like at some point, it has to take a serious role, right? Because it can change everything, literally everything, right? Hundred percent. So, in terms of the um, importance of it, right? If we see one party, and I think it was Chase who said, and I agreed with it. What Chase was saying is that, you know, we we support. He said from a Torah perspective, right? So he said from a Torah perspective and a Jew living according to the Torah. So we support parties in as much as they align with and represent our worldview. But we don't support the party in and of itself. We support the Torah. And where this aligns with the Torah, then we say, okay, we support this. Now, why is it so important? Because take the Democratic Party of today, for example. So they say about 75 to 80% of Jews today um, support the Democratic Party. Right. How did a lot of that come about? A lot of that came about through the 50s, 60s, right, through the civil rights movement and everything else. The Jews saw this as very important in the country, that for this to be a country that's more accepting of race, more accepting of religion, is something that's vitally important for Jews, especially, right, the Holocaust ended 1945. So post-Holocaust, this was extremely important to Jews that um, we supported parties that we felt would make us more safe in the country. Right. And of course, it's usually important. Hitler got to power because of an election, right? So Shea certainly wasn't saying, and I wasn't agreeing with this idea that, oh, this isn't important. No, that was an election that Hitler won in the 1930s that eventually right. became the Nazi party, and it killed 6 million Jews. So had that election gone a different way, we'd be in a very different world today. Of course, very, very important. But sometimes what can happen is, I guess it happened with the Democratic Party of the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, even of 10 years ago, has nothing in common with the Democratic Party of today. Right. But what happened is that certain people subscribed to the party over the values that they had. So many people, for example, don't say, you see within the Democratic Party now, they're wrestling over stuff that seemed that once seemed to be synonymous with the Democratic Party. You have Bill Maher, for example. He says, um, Democratic Party didn't, like, I didn't change, right. he says. right. This party changed. Like it used to right. be synonymous with Democrat to be to to, to believe in freedom of speech. Right. Like this was right. They were the anti censorship party. Correct. The uh, the um, uh, the was it the ADL defended uh, the Nazis in Skokie. Right. They defended the Nazis marching Wait, through. When Skokie. was that? This was oh I don't know sixties seventies. There was a group of Nazis that were mar marching through. I think it's Skokie, Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, a primarily Jewish town. And the, not the ADL, um, but one of, one of the groups like it came out. Like an ACLU or something? Yeah, it may, may, yeah like an ACLU. I yeah. can't, think, can't think of it now. I think it, was, I think it was the ACLU. Came out and defended the Nazis in Skokie and said, they, they, we may not agree with what they're doing, but we'll fight to the death for their right to, 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 say to, it. to, to march. To, yeah. yeah, right. To say it. Right. Freedom of speech is paramount in this country. Correct. And suddenly it's not. So how did that happen? Because it wasn't the idea that they were saying we agree with. They became adherents to the Democratic Party. And then all of a sudden that name became sacred. And right. then as it shifted and the ideas that once were the bedrock of this party shifted, people 
weren't able to make that adjustment. Many people were not able to make that adjustment and still have not been able to make that adjustment. They say, we never supported the Democratic Party. That's never what happened here. We don't support Republicans. We don't support Democrats. We don't right. support anybody. We support ideas. Right. And these are good ideas and these are bad ideas. And those right. who believe in these good ideas, we support them. And those who right. don't believe in these good ideas, we go against them. And that's what he meant by auto worship. Right. That's my understanding of what he meant by auto worship, is that we look at them as they are our savior, right? So for many people, the Democratic Party was so essential to what they saw as necessary for the country to continue. And then they told their kids, Democratic Party, good, Republican Party, bad. Right. And they told their kids, Democratic Party, good, Republican Party, bad. Right. But they've got to tell them why. So then when some of those ideas shifted, right. no one got on board. Right. Not, not no one, very much, much less people than you would imagine got on board. Right. You know, they say, I mean, for, for, if you imagine, if you listen to a speech of the Democratic president from 10, 15, 20 years Goodness, ago. Barack Obama in 2008 was on stage cam campaigning on against same-sex marriage. There you go. Right? Right. A lot of these ideas. And I'm not saying that that was necessarily a Democratic idea. I think that was something that was moving in a certain direction and it kind of met the country where it was at. Right. So maybe that's not a perfect example. There was a zeitgeist that was moving right. in a certain place and it's like, okay, people can accept this much now, so we'll give them that. They'll take that. They can accept that much. But certainly when you talk about freedom of speech, that's one that this was a bedrock idea. Right. The Democratic Party. Same-sex mar same marriage was something, I think a little bit different that since the 1980s we've been wrestling with, right. okay, what is... What does equality look like in this context? So right. equality was the given, and then what does equality look like in this context? So I, that may not be a perfect example because I can look at that as saying, okay, there is a unifying thread through those ideas. But maybe stuff like immigration, right, right, like that shifted radically right, right in just a, a few years. Like the person who said this couldn't, couldn't right. say, couldn't say that. I, I can see, I mean, I can see how the ideas of same-sex marriage, even though it was said in 1980 is very different than what's said today, there was a certain theme that the Democratic Party is, to some degree, has has held throughout. Well, that's, throughout tr that. that's true, and you can see the thread. I agree with that. You can see the thread from 1980 to 2012 with the Supreme Court case. I think it was Obergefell, but to see from 2012 into what we've morphed into today, right, right which is almost cannot... a right, which is almost a reverse, right, complete reverse, equal, right. Right. right, it's a, it, it's it's. Did you say it's more equality? It's more, no, it's meaning it's the opposite of equal. Right? I'm more equal than you. Right, right. It's like this opposite. Right, right. Meaning the the goal was to get to equality, and then it kept pushing past equality. Right, and well, now they're crushing equality. Like look exactly. at what they're doing with Title IX and women's sports. Right, women no longer have women's sports. You know, have women's sports and whatever that right. else okay. may encompass. Right, you know. right. So we're gonna go there on this. Yeah, what's funny about the women's sports analogy is that the women's sports was to me was kind of the example you would give of how this whole thing makes no sense. Like meaning the earliest transgender arguments, oh, you see everyone's equal, next you're going to say they can play in sports together. It's like, no, we'd never do that. And literally the example became the thing that people are defending now. It's like, how are we, right. how are we doing this? How did, we get, right. how did we get here that we have to defend that? If there is such a thing as male sports and female sports, then like if... As long as those two things exist and there's a WNBA and an NBA, then keep it separate in this way because there's a difference athletically and strength-wise between these two groups of people, whatever you call them. Do you think this is because we've got it too good? 
Like, do you think we we reached a point where we weren't at complete equality, but we were close, right? Like, we were probably as close as we could have come. And we ran out of things to push for. I think there's two components to it. This is my thing. I think is that there are certain people who've had bad ideas forever. And there's certain bad ideas that exist. And for whatever reason, we... Um, we minimize it. We pretend like, oh, no one holds those beliefs. No, no, no. Nazism was a hundred years ago. People held these very, very, very piss poor beliefs. Right. Really bad ones. And these people exist and they think to them, they are good. There's no one who's fighting this fight thinking they are the bad guys. Right. Right. Hitler felt with his group and cronies and whatever was that they were doing something good. This was for the best of the world. Right. They didn't see themselves as evil. They saw anyone who was getting in their way of doing what they wanted to do. They saw those people as evil. Right. Right? Because to the evil, the good is evil. Right. Right, right, so right, right. That was, that was their worldview. So meaning there are people who have these ideas. And then I think that some of them hijacked parts of the political system and turned some of the ideas on, its, on itself. Like, for example, you can see it sometimes with like radical Islam where they'll talk about freedom of speech and freedom of religion. So, but you don't believe in those things. Right. But you're turning on ideas, our, our ideas on ourselves in order for us to eat ourselves alive with our own ideas. Right. So some of, some of what happened is that I don't think there was a really solid understanding of the values and principles and teachings behind these ideas. Like we have July 4th, which was yesterday, whenever this comes out, right? And we'll have fireworks, but not a real understanding of what were the fundamental values right. that the American founders had right. that were distinct from what was going on in Britain at the time and what were they fighting for? What did they risk life and limb for? Right. And then these ideas are inculcated in the youth and really, really understood. And then they can defend against um, attacks because the attacks come in different forms. It's very easy to fight against someone who comes... Uh, very easy. It's very easy to prepare yourself against an enemy who declares, I am your enemy and holds a gun to your head. But the enemy who subverts you and right. comes in a very different, like much more creative way, where before you know it, the Democratic Party has ideas, oh, you're tolerant? So how come you're not tolerant to this and this and this? And before you know it, right. their ideas are turned in their head because they didn't really understand their own ideas. Next thing you know, in the name of their tolerance, right, which is a value they thought they had, but they didn't have, but we, we were, we're not meant to have it to the extent that, because if you're too tolerant, then you're intolerant. Right. So, but it wasn't really taught. They just had words and catchphrases, and the next thing you know, it was being turned against them. So I think one was just not really being rooted in our values and understanding what our values are 100%. And I think that that extends to why so many Jews end up understanding different ideas. So, for example, have you heard this concept of tikkun olam? Yes. Okay. So, t t what's your understanding of it? My understanding of it is to heal the world. Yeah. Something like the, that. Heal the world. Okay. So, a lot of people have taken this idea, which the only place I know where it says it, there's a prayer that said several times a day in Judaism, which has a phrase that's similar. It says, letaken olam b'machut shakai, which means to repair the world under the dominionship, under the kingdom of God. But so many people then take this phrase, Tukun Olam, they say this is Judaism, 
and they preach things that are 100% not under the kingdom of God. Right, so they've stripped apart this phrase. So what's happening? What's happening is that for many Jews, we were not taught Judaism. We weren't taught Jewish values. We don't understand what it means. So here someone can come along, say a word in Hebrew. We think we understand what it means. Next thing you know, like we're using Tukan Olam to support Bernie Sanders' ideas more than actual Judaism. Right. right? And that's what that's what can happen in that so I, I think within Judaism, within America is when you say we got too comfortable, like maybe we did. We got comfortable enough that we didn't need to really teach what it is we believed right. and what are the principles we fought for, what are the values that America right. felt um, was important to break away, what are the Jewish values that have kept us alive for thousands of years. Like We didn't really spend enough time teaching those, and then we ran the risk of it being turned on us, and that's what's happening now. I right. think that's one element of it. This sounds suspiciously like our last conversation. Like we we don't we don't fully understand what we're teaching, and it's being manipulated and twisted and turned and passed down from generation to generation to generation. Oh, interesting. Like, d- d- does that make sense? Maybe, yeah. So, like, we we don't. Um... <laughs> let me let me take a different path here. Um, it's funny though. I was thinking about this yesterday. How how we don't understand what actually the Fourth of July is for, right? Like why life and limb and these, you know, the founding fathers risked death. They risked everything. They risked all their money, all their property, their family, their gen- generations to come. Everything, right? For what? For what values and ideals? And we don't. It's it's such an interesting way to to, to put it that we don't. We never not we, but uh, such a majority of people never actually understood what those values were. They just keep mouthing these platitudes, right? Like they just- Well, right, but that as adults, that's our responsibility. And as I'm talking, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, am I teaching these to my children? And why don't we want to? What is the want to? Is because we want our children's life to be light and carefree and happy. Right. And what do I have to sit there and talk to them about the horrors of the world and everything else? But at some point, those conversations have to be had and say, like, listen, this is this is the way it works. Right. Is that if enough people in a society have enough of this bad idea, we turn into China? Right. Nazi Germany? I mean, that's all that that's right. all that there's an idea that exists in the population. Well, and and once it hits critical mass. Yeah, we, and par- we have problems. Part of what you're making me think about too is is the reasoning. Like we have to teach the reason why we believe these things. Like for example, I'm trying to teach. I have a two year old daughter. I'm trying to teach her to say please, right? Like she says, you know, I want some chips. I say, okay, say please. And to her, she doesn't know why. But why do you say please? Because you don't want to demand something of somebody, right? You want to be kind and say, would you please do this for me? I would appreciate it. It'd be helpful, da 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 da, da. We're teaching the meaning no of no one it. owes you anything, kid. You gotta make <laughs> right. it yourself in this world. <laughs> but, right. you know, I, and like, I, I want to teach her good manners, but I, I, I don't want her to just, just, just do something just to do it, right? We have to understand why we do these things. And I think that got lost. I think something we have to do is, okay, we celebrate the 4th of July for this reason, or we believe in freedom of speech for this reason. Sure, people may have bad ideas, but you know how you beat bad ideas? is with good ideas. And you let people with bad ideas expose themselves, and then you correct them with good ideas. You don't just shut them down, right? Like, And we have to teach why we do things and the reasoning behind it. Right, some of the idea also in that, let's take freedom of speech, is we all agree that there are certain ideas that would be better if they weren't shared within the population. 
We'll agree with that. However, who do you want to give authority? <laughs> who right. do you want to give the authority right. to? And that's the problem. Right. Is The problem is not that, oh, we think Nazis should march down Skokie. No. No one wants ma- no, Nazis. That wasn't what they were defending. What they were saying is that we understand the slippery slope of human nature. Right. That when you give someone the authority to make the decision on what is and isn't appropriate speech, even though there is and isn't appropriate speech, they do exist, but giving a human being or a human body of people, a body of people, the capacity, the power to determine what is and isn't that is going to be used and abused and it's going to be taken out on everyone. So rather than clean up the streets of these marches that don't happen, we say we're going to accept those because the other the the what the um the alternative is much worse. Right. It's who is it? I think Mark Twain who said, um, "Democracy is a is a terrible political system, except for all the other ones." Right. 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 Something like that. Right. Well, it's funny they say the same thing. About it's capitalism. the worst one, except for right. the other one, something right. like that. Capitalism is the worst system, aside from all the other ones. Exactly. But and it's so it's not just that though. But something to think about too is what happens if you just shut somebody down or tell somebody no or just say you can't do this. Do you think they're gonna magically understand that it's wrong? Right. Or are they gonna double down? Now right. you've upset them. Now you've pissed them off. Now they're going to double down and just get worse. You're not actually showing them why it's wrong to do something, right? Like let's take the, the Nazis in Skokie. Let's say they couldn't march. Do you think they would have just magically stopped marching? No, they're going to double down and or they, magically stop believing. They may stop. They, mar- right. Correct. Believing that's Pre- yes. believing preaching. Correct. Right. Correct. No, they're, they're going to double down. They're either do it somewhere else or they'll do it illegally or they'll do it twice as, or whatever it may Correct. be, right? You're never going to actually convince them that what they're doing is probably wrong, right? You shouldn't be thinking this way. Well, I shouldn't say probably. It is, it is right. wrong, right? Like you shouldn't be believing these things or doing these things. And all you've done now is, is irritate them and upset them. You've not actually taught them why or what this other way to believe is or convince them of anything different. Yeah, you also don't know what you're dealing with. When you silence so much, you don't actually know the truth Right. Of what people believe and where they're at. Right. So if there are hateful ideas, but you get it to the point that no one can share it under any circumstances, right? Then you don't have you don't have an opportunity to wrestle with them because you don't know what's there or not there. Right. Right. All of a sudden, this thing can hit you from left field. Like, wow, so many people believe this. It's like, yeah, you silenced everyone. Right. So how are you going to know? You made it illegal to say this word. Right. That's such an I've that's that's such an interesting point too. Is people get so used to to being silenced. They don't just talk anymore. So who knows what they're thinking about? Who knows what's bubbling up inside? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're having conversations, these little subgroups, but right. are they, right? you know, what are they actually believing? What are they actually thinking? But the point, it's not really about anyone else. You know, I'm wondering for myself, I have a young family. You have a young daughter is, are you, at what point are we ready to actually teach them those values? Because those are some heavy conversations. Right. And that's, I think what, what happens when times are good like you were saying, is that we want to keep that for our kids as long as possible. And then sometimes we're like, hey, these kids are believing some like really poor ideas. I had this friend who's, uh, you know, he he saved up money to send his kid to a top university. And when he was there, just like being taught all these anti-capitalist ideas. Right. And he was like, wow, I'm paying sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year right. for your education. I worked hard for that money. 
capitalist money, right? Right. Money earned in the capitalist system right. for you to sit there and come home every few months and shit on all these ideas right. and beliefs. Well, and that's <clears throat> what was a problem in that case is that the parents spent most of their time with their kids enjoying the time, which right. I understand, like I'm saying it to father, like we would there's a good reason we do these things. Like at what point in time do I want to sit my son down and have a conversation about capitalism, right? right? And the horrors of World War II. Right. <laughs> like, right. when do I want to have that? Never. Okay. And then what happens? Then you run the risk of a generation of people being converted to these insane ideas and not being prepared for it. Not being prepared for a university professor who is just, who is preaching absolute anti-american ideas right. absolutely against the values but the child coming into school does not even know because they don't know what american values are right so by the time it turns into burning the flag it's like that's years later right right after you've showed everything versus like hey let me explain to you why we have freedom in america let me explain to you why america was a is is, is a country that the world's admired for so many years let me tell you the ideas that exist in the whole world were not for the values that America, right. Right? meaning is the story of America the story of having slavery or abolishing slavery? It's right. Which story, right. which, which story right. do we want to tell? Because to me, what I see, and this is, understand that there's, um, there were many, uh, anti-Semitism was very accepted within America until not long ago. There are communities which up till 20, 30, 40 years ago said no Jews, blacks, or dogs allowed, right? So, I understand that side of American history to a degree. And obviously, black people have felt that much, much, much more going back to the beginning of the country. However, what is the true story of America? The true story that I see of America is um, that there was a country founded on equality, and it took them a while to understand what that word meant. Right. Right. And they wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with the idea. But because of those founding principles and founding ideas, the wrestling turned into the civil rights movement and probably the most free country that's ever been created. Now we're going in a little bit, like you said, like equality is getting turned, turned on its head. But which story, which story, is, which story is, is more true in that situation? And I think that there are many kids who were not taught the American values, weren't really taught that. And then when they're confronted with some of the challenges and some of the um, you know, mistakes along the way, they don't understand it. And that's not much different than our last conversation within Judaism, right? I always talk about the fact that um, King David said, taste and you'll find that God is good. Um, and I use that as a barometer for, is this God? And right. God is good. So lest that be confused with, oh, so you're just saying, um, have all the pleasure you want. No, because pleasure does not feel good. Good is good before, during, and after. Right. You eat a pound of chocolate cake, and you tell me how you feel <laughs> before, during, and after. Right. Okay? And if it's good, if it's good, then I'll have to say that that's healthy. <laughs> I'll have to concede. But more often than not, that's not the case. Right. That's not the case. And sometimes the during has a little bit of dip, but before and after, like, okay, this is exactly what I want it to be. Um, doing, but that's right. That's that's a value. Maybe another value, right? That they taught us. They said this all the time, but this is a cardinal Jewish principle, one hundred percent. So it says, so the Jewish people didn't start when the world was created, according to Judaism. So according to Judaism, the world is something like fifty eight hundred years old, 
But Judaism didn't start until something like 3,400 years ago or so. Okay, so what happened between those years? According to Judaism, on one level, you can say like, hey, this was the purpose of the world. Okay, so if this was the purpose of the world, what's with that gap of creation to, um, to the Jewish people being formed? So the way Judaism explains it is that being a decent person precedes the Torah. Meaning before someone engages in the Torah is the understanding that we are decent people. And that happened on several levels. It precedes it in the way we approach our life in the sense that being decent comes first. We don't use the Torah to then become indecent people. Right. <laughs> right. And it actually preceded it in the order of creation in the, through the world, meaning there were thousands of years of people living on this planet who had the opportunity to go to heaven, right? <laughs> to right. be decent people. We can't say it's like, oh, you can't be a good person. Sure, they could have been, right? There were thousands of years where people were born onto this planet, according to Judaism, where they were able to be decent people. And the instruction from that, that we were taught, a cardinal principle of Judaism, is, Judy, is being decent preceded the Torah, both in the time and in the way we, we, we approach our day-to-day -day life. We don't use the Torah to treat people indecently. Now, if this is really truly taught to us as children, they said the words. If this was really, really, truly taught to us this value, there's a lot of bad ideas that I was exposed to as a child and as an adolescent and as a young adult in the name of Judaism that I would have been able to reject and say, no, this isn't true. This isn't true because it, it, it smacks in the face of this principle. But they taught it to us. They said the words, but they didn't teach it to us. They didn't ingrain it in us. They didn't really explain to us how the most dangerous thing to Judaism is people saying they're Jewish. The most dangerous thing to America is people saying they're preaching American values. Right. right? They didn't. The most dangerous thing to Judaism is not people saying they're Jewish. People saying they're teaching Jewish values. No, you're not. You're preaching your own religion, and you're using a distorted version of God to shove that down my throat. And how do I know? Because I have these bedrock values that you're violating, that I was taught. And if we did the same thing with American values, did the same thing with Jewish values, we'd have a much better chance of resisting and coming and fighting back against some of these ideas. But in order to do that, we have to introduce our kids to a reality of the world that no parent is eager to. I, th I think, sitting where I sit today, my opinion may change over time, but sitting where I sit today, I think that's the resistance. The resistance is, is that... We want the comfort and convenience and safety and like that little protective cocoon for our children as long as we can offer it to them. Right. And in order to really prepare them for what's out there, we have to teach them values in a way that really explains the dangers of the opposite value. Like were the dangers of socialism really, really, really explained? Right. So that when someone started saying these catchphrases of tolerance and equality, and it's like, okay, tolerance and equality, we know what that means. We know what it means. It always means a few people at the top who get to dictate everything against everyone. Right. It sounds amazing, but it never happens because Castro didn't live like his people. Right. Look look where he lived. He had a big freaking castle in every, in every city. Right. He didn't live like his people. He had a harem of women wherever he went. He didn't live like his people. Right. That's what happens. It's not equality. Isn't good. Equality is beautiful. But in order for you to get equality, you need a few people at the top who have all the power. And that's freaking dangerous. Right. Right, right. Well, and it sounds like, <clears throat> so that that answers, I guess, my original question is, is we, it almost sounds like we need to find out what, are, yes, we have to teach our kids what our ideals are, but we have to 
find out again what they are. We it may seems need like to. We've no, lost we may need them. to. Right. It could be we were not taught very well and we think we know something we don't know, right? As right. we're talking, you're sharing things with me I've never heard. Right. I've never thought of. I shared with you something that had an aha moment go off. So we don't understand these well enough. Right. Do we understand American values well enough? Do we understand Jewish values well enough for those who care about protecting that? Right. And if we don't, then it's imperative on us for us to understand those better because possibly we were also our parents wanting to protect us. Like, why? I got to right. talk about World War II. I got to talk about British history. Not because I don't want to talk about history, because I don't want to introduce my ch children to war, death, poverty, you know, right. illness, right. all these other things. Like, let's protect them. Right. Well, and it seems like, too, we've, we've, um, this is back to, we just earlier recorded a, a conversation with Christian uh, De La Huerta about personal responsibility, mm -hmm. right? And we've, we've pawned this off onto other people. We're not going to teach our kids American values because somebody else will. Right. The their school. teachers, the school will, their teachers will. Who cares what I do in my life? The president will take care of everything or right. Congress or whatever it may be. Right. And it's, it's time for us to take this back upon ourselves and say, no, 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 we're in charge. I'm in, I'm in charge. As right. you so often say, well, I am patient zero. I'm patient. Right. Right. Yeah. And it always has to come back to that. If we're going to sit here and pretend that, we have answers that other people don't. We're not. We're not addressing the issue. Right. Right. It. It could be different people are further along the chain of illness than others, but we're all on the freaking chain. We're all connected. Right. Right. So yes, maybe someone else has spent eight years in university and who'd have heard a few more toxic ideas than you and I have heard, and they bought into that a little bit more. But we're all on the spectrum of this problem. We're all connected on this problem, which is why American values are suffering, God values are suffering, right. and everything else. Right. So if, unless we can find it on ourselves, we're not going to be doing anyone a service uh, speaking about these subjects. Right. Couldn't have said it better. What? Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. And then I guess I'll end with this. is One of the things that COVID showed me um, is the importance of God and religion like that. Um kind of summing it up into one is that everyone has one. And if they don't have one, people need one. Right. So what happened right, desperately, right? What I, what I saw happen in COVID is that so many, so many of us who did not have a solid religion, a, I want to say a religion, but like, a if we didn't have something, I'm going to use the word religion in this case, if we didn't have um, that, that there, we were much more susceptible to these COVID ideas, which very quickly started falling apart, but you saw certain people cling to it and cling to it and cling to it. Right. And to me, what I saw is like these beliefs that had all the qualities of religion. Masks work because they work. The vaccine works because it works. Right. COVID policy works because it works. And when it didn't, oh, our beliefs just got updated. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. There were, there were certain ideas that were not sound from day one. They did not make sense. Right. But it was we were gravitating to it almost, uh, and it, it we're gravitating to these ideas and holding on to it with a religious quality, right? Right. And what I mean by religious quality, and this is, we have to, to like, this words a little bit. So to me, it's like God is truth, God is good. Like these are things that we can say, and then we can always there can be a feedback for it, right? Like, okay, did this work? Did it not? So if it works, it's like, okay, that's good. That was godly. If not, let's, okay, it wasn't. Let me address. Religion receives no feedback. 
Right. Right. There's right. No, you cannot change my mind. This is right. my idea. Okay. Your kids are suffering. They're miserable. Oh no, no. I'm following my rabbi and my rabbi told me this is the right thing to do. So obviously everything's going to work out. What do you mean? It's going to work out. It's not working out. Right. Like it's not working out. Your kid is suffering today. Right. Even if it works out later, it's not working. Like, why does this have to be part of the consequences? Why does, why does this be part of the, the price to pay? It's obviously not working. You've got the feedback address, change course, shift right. gears. No, it's right. a religion. So if we don't have some of that, some of that religious quality, then we're susceptible to another one. And that's what I saw within, within COVID. And maybe, maybe a way to flesh this out a little bit is that we don't know that one plus one is two. We don't know that. That you have to take for granted. So when we're starting math, I'm going to say, okay, Tyler, here's how math works. One plus one equals two. I can never prove that to you fully. Even though you think it makes sense, no, not not necessarily. Right. Because one plus one can hold more than two. Right. Right. You can do this. I. You can't lift this. Maybe I can't lift this. Together we can lift more. So one plus one, maybe we can come with a new math. Right. And one plus one equals two and a half. Right. And we can prove that, and then that becomes the bedrock of everything, and then we build off of that. So until you take one for one, one plus one on faith. Kind of like, okay, you don't know this for sure, but this is how we're going to make, like, this is how this math system works, is one plus one equals two. Okay, it's only two. I'm not giving any sort of addition out of two and a half, not a three. No, it's two. Okay, that on faith. Then once I have that, then I know how to do the rest of math. Now I know that 10 plus one is 11, and 20 times two is 40, and now I can start doing things. Why? Because I'm taking on faith that one plus one equals two. So there are certain ideas that we kind of have to take on faith, and then the rest we build off of. We, we build off of that, and we don't have any of those, then right. we're going to replace it with something because we can't operate in the world. So with COVID policy, it felt to me like a lot of people like, didn't have certain ways of operating in the world, and then they just started introducing ideas. Right. Right. COVIDism, it became. And I was right. like, be a decent person. Wear a mask. I was like, well, can we make sense of this? Wear a mask, literally? I got a picture of my kid in school at three years old Wearing a mask, 95 degree heat. I emailed the school. I said, why? Yeah. The kid's not wearing it properly. Would, you, would a scientist ever go into a lab with a virus wearing that thing? Never in history have we interacted with viruses right. in this way. And you want a 95 degree heat? You think it's good? It's helping people to have a kid who can't wear a mask properly wear this? But this is good. Why? Because one plus one equals two. There's certain things that we have to right. take on faith. Well, I'm not willing to. But who was most susceptible to a lot of those ideas? To me, were people who didn't have a solid, um, like, who didn't have some religion yeah, in some way. Some were, solid foundation. Exactly. So yeah. meaning we're going to have to introduce to our kids, they're going to have to take something on faith. And I keep using the word religion, even though in general I use it as a negative word. Right. But there are certain ideas. I'll, I'll give you an example of an idea. So you're going to have to take on faith that being a good person and being a decent person is, is the way to be. Right. Is going to pay off. Right. Yeah. And then even not pay off, that that's the way to be in this world. Right. Right. Because we may come to the other side of the curtain and we may all find it's like, dude, you guys are so, oh my goodness. You guys are such total idiots. You thought being a good person was the way to win this game? No. Dude, you missed the whole thing. It's take as much as you can get, get as fast as you could. You guys are idiots. Like, where did you make this up? Right. So we're taking that on faith. Right. Right. Okay, so that to me is an idea that I'm willing to take for myself and give to my kid on faith that being a good person has value to it. Right. Good. So that's your religion. 
so to speak. And then from there, we build on different ideas. Or even if you want to introduce certain Jewish ideas, like, okay, this, you're going to have to take it on faith that there was a Mount Sinai and the Jews were given the Torah and everything else. Okay, so that's your idea, right? That's your religion. You're just going to, like, meaning there's nowhere I'm going to be able to prove that to you. But after that, now what am I stacking on there? I'm stacking on certain values, certain hopefully really, really, really good solid stuff. And if I don't give someone that, then what do I, I run the risk of politicians years later being able to, politicians and media or whatever else, being able to totally distort our minds with all sorts of BS right? because there's a vacuum. So that's right. something that it also gave me an appreciation of is the importance and value of having something that we introduce to our kids on faith and then hopefully, hopefully we're doing the right thing. Meaning that we're doing it with a certain um, like understanding that you're introducing a religious idea to them like meaning there's no real 100% support for this, but have this, because if you don't have this, then it leaves a vacuum. Well, what's the old adage, there's a God-shaped hole in every heart? Yes. Right, right, and it will get filled with something. And I'm saying over here, there's a religious-shaped hole in every heart. Right. Is it, this is a little different than God? Right. Meaning I'm saying that there's room for... Well, but yes, yes, but no. I mean, COVID did be... Anthony Fauci, in a lot of ways, became... God. That's people. exactly what happened, right? That he filled that religious, right? And then the religion, God, right? He filled that aspect of it, right? But right. I'm like a little bit of distinction between religion, right? No, religion I, I, but you see the same thing with climate now too, the, the the climate religion, if you will. But you know, even another way to think about this too is you want to, you were talking about uh, COVID. You know, you look at the overdose numbers in COVID. We hit record high overdose numbers, right? Over a hundred thousand people overdosed and died. In this country alone. Why? Because they had nothing. This was this is what I mean by a religious idea. Like no one right. was allowed to challenge it. When I had a friend whose mom passed at the beginning of COVID, she sat there for weeks in a hospital by herself and he couldn't go visit her. And like, who said this? Right. Who said this in the name of good, in the name of protecting? Who are you protecting? This person is in hospice alone. Right. Like, wouldn't this be like in any in any other time in history, wouldn't this be just an understanding that it's good for a dying person to have loved ones next to them? And what what exactly are we worried about? We're worried about the dying person who's dying? You can't tell me that. Right. So you're worried about this other person? Okay, so we're worried a son shouldn't be next to their mother? Right. Because we're worried about... Uh, As though he doesn't understand the risks. Right, exactly. Like this is not a decision that someone can make. Right. And you've turned it into good and absolutes with certainty that this person shouldn't be there, and we're going off on a lot of um, a lot of different a lot of different ideas. But I think where we kind of started, and to sum it up, is we had where do we start this? Um, you, you're talking about the dangers of the political system and like right. the idol worship aspect right. of it, and that's the idea. I think the idea is that we have to have certain concepts, certain values that we teach fundamentally, and it's those ideas that we spend time on, and we don't allow any names to step in and replace right. those. We don't allow taglines right. to, to substitute for the real thing. Right. Not Torah, not Judaism, not Democratic Party, not Republican parties, no. Let's take the time for ourselves to understand, truly understand the ideas, the values, the teachings behind these things, and then for those that we take on and accept, then good. Now go and teach it. Teach it to our children, teach it to others so that they too have these values and are strong and can withstand um, 
the attacks on it. And if we don't, we run, we, we run the risk of recreating a lot of the tragedies that the world has already seen. Right. We should have already, we should be in a position to already withstand the enemy, but somehow we're confused. Right. Well, those, what is it? Those who learn history are doomed to repeat it. Seems as though like it's just that we don't, we don't understand the history of these ideas. We don't understand why these ideas are passed down. We don't even understand why we believe them or accept them or don't accept them or anything. Right. And so we keep finding ourselves in these same positions. Yeah. So, I mean, so this can be an interesting thing. I mean, this, this conversation took a much different turn than almost any of the conversations than I've had on the podcast to date, but this is something that I guess I'm intrigued on. I'm intrigued about based on this conversation and but we can turn into a little something is, Hey, maybe a, a, American value, which we can explore and dissect, and a um, Jewish value, right. which we can explore and dissect, and maybe take, you know, kind of take turns on those things. Hey, what's a Jewish value that Judaism, forget Judaism, the religion, Judaism, the value system. What is Shabbos? Shabbos is not a, 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 a law, it's a value. There's right. a value that it's teaching, there's something beneath that. Right. That is saying, okay, this is important. This is more important. Shabbos is more important than everything except for human life, right? Like literally it's that, that level. Why? Why people would, and we're going off on a little bit of a thing. We keep doing this conversation. It's me. But for example, someone who couldn't support their family would take off the day of Sabbath, lose their job um, in order to, if they had a job and the job said you have to work on the Sabbath, they would have said, no, I'm not going to do it. Wow. So this is a Jewish value say value that it's more important than more important than supporting someone's family. Okay, so let's understand what they're talking about. So now we're not bringing kids into a home on Shabbos and we're telling them, um, oh, don't turn on the lights, don't drive the car, don't this. No, let's teach them the value. What is this value that people were willing to not have a proper job to support their kids saying, no, I'm not going to take that job. It's perfect for me, except for one thing. They want me to work on the Sabbath. And then with American values, what does it mean? What is like, why is freedom of religion so important? Why is freedom of um, speech so important? Why is the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms so important? What is this value? What were they fighting for? And maybe that can be an interesting kind of um, segment you and I can do together where one time we take a Jewish value, one time we take an American value and see if we can um, make it make sense to each other and then in the process. Beautiful. Beautiful. Like that idea? I actually really, that's, I really enjoy that <laughs> idea. That sounds awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. That was, on, yeah, it's on the fly, all natural. You saw it live. We didn't do any edits. <laughs> Took a little bit of time, but now you see how we operate here. Beautiful. We're in search of more. Always. <laughs> <laughs>